Side Hustle Show 267, The Hustler's Mindset, The 10 Traits of Successful Side Hustle Entrepreneurs. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because what's going on in between your ears is probably impacting what's going on inside your bank account. Can I be real a second? Can I be real a second for just a millisecond? Let down my guard and tell you how I feel a second. I've avoided, sorry for that. Any Hamilton fans out there? I've avoided doing a mindset episode for almost five years because I didn't think it was necessary. I thought if people were seeking out business information, entrepreneurship information, they've already got the right mindset. They know what's up. They get it. Give me ideas. Give me tactics. Give me something actionable. That was my theory because that's what I wanted to listen to. And I promise we'll return to that stuff next week if this isn't for you. But older and hopefully wiser, I've come to see that the mindset conversation is an important one and one I've been overlooking for a long time. This is foundational stuff and probably should have been episode one, not episode 267. Though, if I'm being totally honest, I probably wasn't in a place personally or professionally to record it as episode one. Now, before you tune me out, let me give you a couple points to consider on the mindset front. The first comes from one of my favorite podcasts, The Tropical MBA Show. These guys built and sold a couple e-commerce businesses and now run a community and host events for location-independent entrepreneurs. And their theory is this. For entrepreneurs making uh, zero to 100K, kind of your first $100,000 a year, the barrier is mindset. From 100 grand to a million, the barrier is marketing. And from a million and beyond, the barrier is your team. But for that first 100K, that first six-figure business, that first six-figure year, the barrier is mindset. That's their argument. And I'm sure there are counterpoints, but I think there's a lot of truth to that breakdown. The second point to consider comes from Dane Maxwell, who was a special guest on episode 119 of the Side Hustle Show during my public coaching experiment. Dane created several software businesses before founding the foundation to teach others what he learned. He said the easiest way to test if your mindset is in the right place is to ask, do you have or are you getting the results that you want? Do you have or are you getting the results that you want? If not, something's missing, right? What do you think about that? There's some brutal honesty in that assessment, in that question. Like, if I really wanted a six-pack, if I really wanted it, I'd have one by now, almost by definition, right? If I really wanted a million-dollar business, I'd have it already. I'd have figured a way out to make that work. It took me a minute to wrap my head around that one, but the gist of it is this. If you're not where you want to be, there's room for some mindset growth or changes. So in this episode, I'm going to share 10 traits, 10 commandments of the hustler's mindset and do my best to illustrate those with examples from either my own businesses or those of my guests. Notes and links for this one are at sidehustlenation.com slash mindset. All right, let's get our heads right with the 10 mindset traits of successful side hustlers. Ready? Let's do it. Side hustle mindset commandment number one, thou shalt hustle. Could it be anything else? If it were easy, everybody would be doing it. Real businesses, even part-time ones, take real work. And I want to clarify, hustle to me doesn't mean working 24 hours a day. It means taking control of the hours that you can control and putting your best effort forward in that time that you have. It actually comes from an old baseball coach of mine. He said, look, you're going to have bad days at the plate. You're going to have bad days in the field, but hustle never slumps. It's that proactive effort you put into your life and your business is the one thing you can always control. And that's what hustle is to me, not running yourself ragged, but focused and intentional effort. 
towards your goals. It's about making progress every day. That's the slight edge in action. The the small actions that uh, in the moment don't seem to make much of an impact, but compounded over weeks and months add up to some meaningful progress and results. In the painting business that I used to run in college, it was continually knocking on doors to bring in fresh leads, fresh prospects. In my shoe business, it was you know keeping the inventory and the advertisements. And today, one of the slight edge hustle habits is publishing this show every week. So that's commandment number one, thou shalt hustle. Number two is thou shalt keep an open mind. And the reason for that is there's no such thing as the quote best side hustle business or the best business idea. The best side hustle is the one you take action on. And it was Ryan Finley who dropped this truth bomb on the podcast in episode 72. He said, the best opportunities aren't visible until you're already in motion. And over the last 15 plus years, I can definitely vouch for that being true. Like I said, I started out painting houses in college and never would have expected that it would lead to building websites and hosting a podcast and writing books and all the stuff that's come since then. Sometimes the opportunity comes when you least expect it, but once you're in motion, those things start to pop up more and more. And just one example from you know one of my early side hustles was a virtual assistant recruiting service. And it just came about when another business owner read my VA book and said, you know what, that's all well and good, but can you just do it for me? And I said, sure, I'll give it a shot. You never know where some projects will lead. So that's where keeping an open mind is so important. In episode 254, you heard how Vincent Puglisi, a a professional photojournalist, had this stigma against shooting weddings, but he was open-minded enough to give it a shot. And within four years of hustle, he and his wife had paid off all their debt and they were financially free. It's an awesome story. In the process, he had to learn not, not only how to take great pictures, which he already knew how to do, but he also had to figure out how to get customers, how to run a business. In learning new skills and strategies is part of the challenge, part of the fun of entrepreneurship. In fact, the skill of learning new skills is probably the most important trait of successful side hustlers and entrepreneurs. Brian Harris from episode 87 has a great video that basically says you're going to find excuses and obstacles and hurdles every step of the way and that your job as the entrepreneur is to figure it out. Then you hustle along until the next hurdle, and then you figure that one out. Each step of the way in a new business is probably uncharted territory for you. That's a good thing, but it means if you want to keep growing, you've got to keep learning. Vincent also left us with this nugget. The process is the result. And I've phrased it this way in the past. The journey is the destination. Fall in love with the process, with the journey, because every destination is greeted with the same question. Well, now what? So that's commandment number two, keep an open mind. Trait number three is thou shalt experiment, try out your ideas, give yourself permission to try something out and see what happens, even if you don't see it as a long-term thing. Picking what's next doesn't mean picking what's forever. This is probably the biggest differentiating factor of the people who are building extra income streams and those that are stuck on the sidelines, a willingness to try something out, not knowing for certain the outcome. I like to call this thinking like a side hustle scientist. And one of the benefits of looking at decisions through this lens of experimentation is it reduces the perceived risk of failure. And I think we're natural experimenters, whether consciously or subconsciously, we're conducting experiments every day in our lives. You know, whether that's taking a new route to work, trying out a new recipe, or, you know, trying a new drink at Starbucks or something. But it's, you know, trying out a new business idea. That's where it's like all of a sudden we get kind of paralyzed. But why is this important? 
I think in general, we're pretty risk averse and myself include a very risk averse person, especially when it comes to risk of loss. But we've got to recognize most of the losses that we're talking about in the terms of in terms of starting a business, in terms of starting a side hustle, they're not life threatening and weighed with the potential upside. They can be really valuable learning experiences, even if they don't produce the results you expected. Bryn and I were listening to the audiobook version of this book called The Top 10 Distinctions Between Millionaires in the Middle Class. We listened to this one year on our drive home from Seattle at Christmas. And the author said that millionaires use a risk analysis framework that sounds something like this. You know, they ask themselves, okay, what's the best case scenario? What's the worst case scenario? And what's the most likely scenario? And the author argued, if you can live with the worst case scenario and the most likely outcome is positive, maybe that's a risk worth taking. And I think this experimenter's mentality can be applied, you know, pretty much all over the place. So what do I mean by that? I mean, with each decision, you're basically testing out a hypothesis in your mind. And in contrast, a mentality that pits, you know, success against failure uh, with a kind of a zero-sum game, that's a much scarier downside. Nobody likes to fail. But I'll give you the example. When I started investing with Prosper.com or more recently Fundrise or Peer Street, my hypothesis was, look, my money could earn a greater return than it would sitting in savings. And if it doesn't work, all that happens is I disproved my hypothesis. Now, viewed the opposite way or in a different context, the lost money, if like these investments flop, thankfully they didn't, the lost money could have been seen as just like this, you know, stupid move by on my part and I'll like never invest again on any platform. And in the end, the end result would have been the same either way. But when it when you frame it as an experiment, there's more attention put on learning and testing a new hypothesis, a different hypothesis next time instead of dwelling on the loss or the lost money in this case. And that's the good news. There's no such thing as a failed experiment, just something that didn't go the way you expected. Then you can learn from it, create a new hypothesis, and then try something else. Some of your projects are going to fail. Probably the majority of your projects are going to fail. Nobody bats a thousand. I probably had like five good ideas in my life, honestly, and a hundred bad ones. But it's just about maximizing the results of the good ones and minimizing the bad ones. One expensive failure of mine was trying to build a spinoff to my footwear comparison shopping site. I created a site called carrymystuff.com. It was for handbags and luggage because a lot of the advertisers that I was working with selling shoes already had that in their product line as well. So I thought, oh, I can work with the same advertisers. I can build this kind of complimentary site. We already had a lot of the templates and code that we were able to kind of reuse and recycle, but it still costs like five grand to develop this thing. And almost immediately became apparent like, okay, this is a completely different ballgame. The commission rates were lower almost across the board. And on top of that, the breadth of retailers selling this stuff was so much broader. And it might have only been a tiny slice of their product catalog. So we might be churning through, you know, thousands and thousands of rows of data to pull out like the 12 products that you wanted. It's a huge burden on bandwidth and, you know, server capacity and just ended up being a disaster of a project. The good news is I live to see another day. I live to get another at bat. And that's the big secret. We're all in the same boat. Like every professional was once an amateur. Every bestseller started with a blank page. Every podcast starts with zero listeners. Every email list starts with zero subscribers. Every freelancer starts with no clients, nor portfolio. And everybody who's got it, you know, quote, figured out is still figuring it out more every day. The common denominator, I think, is practice. It's this forward progress, learning, continuous improvement, Bjorka Ostrom, from episode 46 called it 1% infinity, trying to get 1% better every day. And that's commandment number three, thou shalt experiment. 
If you travel a lot for work or for a vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The fourth mindset trait for Side Hustlers is thou shalt bootstrap. That means starting small and there's no shame in it. Most of my projects have cost less than $500 to get off the ground. Most of them much less than that. As an example, my affiliate business cost $5 to start, which is what, that's what it cost to open an AdWords account back in the day. The Side Hustle Show blog and podcast cost a couple hundred bucks, which was mostly the domain, which actually was already in use. Fun fact, SideHustleNation.com was already registered. So I offered a hundred bucks for it to the previous owner. They accepted and uh, then we're off to the races. And then the podcast mic was like 60 bucks on Amazon. And then it was like, okay, very low startup cost to get this thing off the ground. Uh, the recruiting business I mentioned earlier cost nothing to start. Uh, my freelancing business cost nothing to start. My self-publishing business cost next to nothing to start. I did pay an editor on Elance around 100 bucks to edit my first book. Super glad I did. And I got a cover done on Fiverr. Uh, I started my FBA retail arbitrage business for a couple hundred bucks worth of inventory. The point is you can do this stuff very lean. I'll get notes from people like, oh, I just spent you know 30 grand in nine months you know building this perfect website. Like, do you have any customers? Well, no, not yet. It's like, oh, you know, it kills me inside. And it all comes down to not making a bet you can't afford to lose. So that's number four, think lean. Commandment number five of successful side hustlers is thou shalt make meaning. Do something you find 
fulfilling. That's the whole reason the site and podcast exist. It was some soul searching. Like, what do I get excited about? What do I love to talk about? Entrepreneurship, small business ideas, marketing tactics. I love this stuff. There was no business model when I started, which I probably shouldn't admit. But what I found is if you're helping people, income opportunities start to present themselves. The first thing I sold on Side Hustle Nation was a private mastermind group hosted by me. Didn't make a ton of money, but it was a start and didn't cost a ton of money to start either. I think it's a line from MJ DeMarco's Millionaire Fastlane book. Like if you want to make a lot of money, you're going to need to help a lot of people or a small group of people with a very expensive problem. I'm pretty sure we've talked about the rule of the internet before, but for a refresher, the rule states that people are only ever online for one of two reasons. Number one, to solve a problem, or number two, to be entertained. That's it. So my recommendation is to help people solve their problems. Mindset trait number six is thou shalt ship. Perfection is the enemy of good enough, or perfect is the enemy of good, I think is the original Voltaire quote. And I can't remember where I first saw this quote. It might have actually might have been in my dad's like email signature for a while, but something about it stuck with me. And of course, we want to make things perfect, but more often than not, good enough will suffice. It's the 80-20 rule, right? So thou shalt ship. The timing is never going to be just right. Launch, get feedback, improve, repeat. If I was waiting for perfect, literally nothing I've done over the last decade would have ever seen the light of day. And you can use the the Wayback Machine, I think it's archive.org, to look at some of the earlier editions of my sites. Like They're hideous, but they were shipped. I look at the first edition of the shoe site and I just like cringe, but it was a minimum viable product. You know, it was functional. I'm embarrassed by the first 50 episodes of this show. I think it took me that long to hit my stride as a podcaster. And actually, it was Joe from Stacking Benjamins in a presentation at FinCon who said, I'm embarrassed by the work I put out a year ago. And a year from now, I hope to be embarrassed by the work I put out today. That's how I know I'm getting better. And of course, there's the Reid Hoffman quote, founder of LinkedIn. If you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you shipped too late. But remember, it's still got to be good enough. Thou shalt ship is not permission to ship garbage. But that was number six, thou shalt ship. Commandment number seven is thou shalt keep your goals in mind. Remember what you're working for. What's your why? If it's not strong enough to pull you through the tough times, through the dip, maybe you got to go back to the drawing board, come up with something more motivating. It's got to be worth it in some way or another. Now, if you'll allow me to take an aside down the science of motivation rabbit hole, I want to share the AMP acronym, which stands for Autonomy, Mastery, and Purpose. These come from Dan Pink's best-selling book called Drive, where he argues that compensation isn't the only or maybe even the main factor in worker happiness. Instead, he argues that the trifecta of autonomy, mastery, and purpose form the base for a fulfilling career or business, really no matter what kind of field you're working in. He says because these three factors are internal rather than external motivators like you know a cash bonus or something like that, they promise deeper and longer lasting satisfaction than the monetary incentives can. And when you have all three in place, I call it getting amped. And I think getting amped naturally is going to lead to more happiness. So according to drive, autonomy is the desire to direct our own lives. In my old day job at Ford, I enjoyed a certain level of autonomy, perhaps more than most uh, entry-level positions. I mean, I had a company car. I could decide my own schedule. I could arrange my own meetings, my own travel. Naturally, I still had to work to achieve the goals of the division and the company, but I had a fair amount of freedom in how I got it done. And of course, today I've got a high level of autonomy. I love to be able to decide what I get to work on 
every day, but it's also the biggest catch-22 of self-employment. You can steer your own ship and it's awesome, but there's also nobody else there to tell you where to steer and that can be a challenge. So that's one reason why a mastermind can be so valuable. The M in Amped is mastery. And that's what Dan Pink says is the urge to get better and better at something that matters. And I want to call your attention to there's two parts of that that are equally important. The drive for improvement and the second half, doing something that matters. It might be easy to master some you know, mundane, menial task, but you may not feel mastery if you don't feel like you're adding some unique skill to it. And this is something I struggled with at my old job. Like I was okay at it. I don't think I was amazing, especially compared to some of my peers. One thing that was cool about it was that like no two days were alike and I was constantly learning, constantly meeting new people. And I felt like I was getting better, but something was still missing. Like I wanted to be awesome at work, but my peers, I felt like they were already masters or were building mastery quickly. And I was just kind of re- remaining pretty stagnant, which was frustrating. And it, it was probably compounded by the fact that I didn't have any ownership over the tasks that I was supposed to achieve. So I, like I said, I had autonomy over my schedule, but I didn't really have ownership over you know what I was supposed to do. And it was stuff like, okay, last year, the dealers in your territory, in your zone, sold batteries to 2% of the cars that they serviced. We think next year it should be 5%. It was like totally arbitrary. And at least now with the with my business, it's like I'm chasing down my own goals. I get to pick the numbers. So I propose finding a side hustle that lets you pursue mastery on your own terms. Podcasting is a great example for me. Like each week I try and get on the mic and improve my hosting skills and share some hopefully useful and interesting stuff with you. Getting better at something that matters. And the P stands for purpose, which is uh, defined by Pink as the yearning to do what we do in the service of something larger than ourselves. And he says, this is the strongest of all intrinsic motivators because a deep conviction is going to drive you to go above and beyond when fulfilling your tasks. And it's really the key to long lasting satisfaction with your work. And this is really where the wheels fell off at my job with Ford. And maybe there's a bad pun in there. No matter how much of the corporate Kool-Aid I drank, I had a hard time convincing myself of the greater purpose of my role. There was this sense of, if I don't show up today, is it going to make any meaningful impact to the bottom line of any of my customers or even to the company itself? Like not even a blip on the radar, the bottom rung of this Fortune 50 company. And to me, that was purpose. I wanted to see the direct impact of my efforts to the bottom line and to my paycheck, and it just wasn't happening. Thankfully, I found a side hustle that scratched that itch, and I'm confident that you can too. Now, an important thing to note is your purpose doesn't have to be about saving the whales or feeding the hungry or, you know, something like altruistic cause like that, though it certainly can be. Purpose can simply be about helping people and a side hustle is the perfect way to do that. So that was trait number seven, keep your goals in mind and working towards AMP, autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Mindset trait number eight is thou shalt support other side hustlers. And the reason for that is entrepreneurship can be a lonely road and the journey is better together. So come hang out. Sidehustlenation.com slash FB is where you'll find a supportive community of fellow side hustlers and entrepreneurs. That's our free Facebook group. That's uh, actually over 8,000 members strong now. It's become a really cool community. Sidehustlenation.com slash FB. The other thing that I hope you'll consider doing is to start a mastermind group for accountability and for feedback. These have been invaluable to me over the last four years, being able to tap into the collective brain power and resources and connections of a group of like-minded entrepreneurs. And I'll admit, I was super late to the mastermind game. 
I was a lone wolf, not not necessarily by choice, just that I didn't know any better. But you don't have to go it alone. I remember a friend of mine, actually it was uh, Teresa from episode two of the Side Hustle Show. She was like casually mentioning this uh, great bit of advice she'd gotten from her mastermind group. Like it was common knowledge. Everybody just knew what that was. So I was like, wait, hold on a minute. What's that? And she gives me this like blank stare. Like, dude, mastermind group, Napoleon Hill, think and grow rich. Come on, Loper. I had no idea, but don't be the lone wolf. Support other side hustlers and allow yourself to get supported by them. Commandment number nine, thou shalt take time for yourself. If you define freedom like I do as having control over your calendar, there's that autonomy thing. You can start to exercise that freedom today, even if it's just in tiny little chunks, like schedule creative time, schedule hustle time, schedule time to recharge, to breathe. I'm still working on the meditation habit, working on getting less stressed out over the small stuff. And it's a challenge to unplug because the work is never done. That realization was really starting to wear on me last year. And I'm still not sure the best way to combat it. Now, one thing that has helped is having three to four uh, top priorities for the next day. And the days will win if I can accomplish those. Never mind the next 25, 35 things on the list. They're still, they're still going to be there tomorrow, but I'm going to tackle the next three or four and keep chipping away at this stuff. The other thing that's been helpful the last few months is prioritizing a workout, like a physical workout, usually in the morning or in the middle of the day. It, it's tough to pull myself away from work, especially when you got some momentum going. But I found the 20 minutes of getting hot and sweaty, thanks to uh, Rob, my uh, personal trainer, he was on the podcast a few weeks ago. It tends to make me feel better and uh, more focused the rest of the time. So thou shalt take time for yourself. Commandment number 10, we're bringing it home. Is thou shalt have fun. Remember, this is just a game. If it stops being fun, it's probably a sign that it's time to stop. Like people have asked me when when to quit a side hustle. And my answer for that is when you come to dread the work and you're not seeing results. Now, building a business, of course, isn't going to be rainbows and butterflies and unicorns all day, every day. But the last thing you need is a second job you hate. So thou shalt have fun. You on board with that? There's no secret sauce. There's no magic bullet. Learn from those who've gone before you. Help those who come behind you. Experiment, practice, pivot. Give it time and you will see results. That's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where I promise we're getting back to the tactical stuff. You're going to hear from one of my most popular guests, how she took her side hustle from $18 in a month to hundred grand a month in just 2.5 years, working, yeah, I call it 20 hours a week. You won't want to miss it. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to The Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. Is there a more dreaded question than what's for dinner? Meal planning and eating well to hit your nutrition goals doesn't have to be complicated. Our sponsor, Factor, makes it easy by sending delicious, ready-to-eat, chef-crafted, dietitian approved meals right to your door. Every week, you've got over 35 different menu options to choose from, including keto, calorie-smart, 
vegan and veggie options, and more. Some personal favorites of ours so far have been the garlic mushroom chicken thighs and the Indian butter tofu. These are restaurant quality meals ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. It's the perfect easy button solution for busy side hustlers and couples. And it's not just dinner either. Factor has nutrient-packed snacks, smoothies, breakfasts, and more. And hey, plans change, which is why you can scale up or down your meals or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Head to factormeals.com slash sidehustle50 and use code sidehustle50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while your subscription is active. That's code sidehustle50 at factormeals.com slash sidehustle50 to get 50% off your first box and two free wellness shots per box while subscription is active. Big thanks to Factor for sponsoring the show.